It was Monday, March 26th, and Christine was running late, as usual. She pulled open the heavy door to the large function room on the mezzanine level of the Chicago Marriott and entered as quietly as she could. The room was dimly lit and filled with agents seated in front of a podium and overhead screen. The door closed behind Christine with a pronounced thump. Patricia Gaston, the new director of the FBI's Chicago branch, glanced up from the podium, squinting in Christine's direction, then proceeded with her comments. With the aid of a laser pointer, Gaston was reviewing a new reorg chart displayed on the screen. Christine searched for her name on the labyrinthine roster of names clustered beneath boxes representing each divisional unit of the branch office. There it was, Christine Prusik. Forensics, near the bottom of the screen, directly under the name Ned Miranda. Who the hell is he? Based on the screen diagram, the revamped structure pushed her further down the hierarchical chain. Not what she'd imagined after 14 successful years at the Bureau. Maybe Roger Thorne, the former Chicago branch director who this past winter had taken a higher-up bureau position in Washington, had alerted the new branch director to Christine's habit of bending, and yes, she admitted, occasionally breaking, the rules. She did have a tendency to go solo without keeping her superiors punctually informed, but it was only because time was of the essence in a criminal investigation. That was a truth that never changed. Christine caught a sideways glimpse of Gaston's flashy red suit when the new branch director stepped away from the podium. The director's voice found its cadence in a confident monotone as she flashed through a series of PowerPoint slides, illustrating a slew of new administrative forms. The laser pointer zigzagged in accompaniment with each new graphic, underscoring the refrain that all personnel were expected to complete these forms and deliver them in a timely fashion to the various unit heads, including Christine, head of the forensics unit, who were required to sign off promptly. Daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual report forms. Christine shook her head in consternation, Daily reports? What about police work? But a change in management meant putting her best foot forward, and she would give it her best shot. First impressions last longest. She could hear her mother telling her on her first day of eighth grade at St. Agnes's in Detroit. Jort Saprusik had ironed the pleated pale blue blouse of Christine's uniform early that same morning, so she'd look her best. Say, yes, ma'am, when spoken to, and be sure to always smile. Button your lip unless asked to speak by one of the nuns. Do you hear me, Christine? So Christine had learned the drill. Say yes, smile, and answer politely when asked a question. Unfortunately, she was never very good at that particular drill. Christine scrolled through her phone messages and emails as Gaston droned on. Her phone vibrated. It was the incoming call that she'd been expecting from Dr. Ernie Hansen, the Carbondale, Illinois medical examiner. Local Illinois police had earlier reported that a missing Lincoln Technical College student's dead body had been found on an embankment of the Little Muddy River in a remote quadrant of the Shawnee National Forest in the wilds of southern Illinois. 
Hansen's call to Christine had come at the recommendation of Dr. Walter Henniger from Crosshaven, Indiana, who'd said good things about Christine's crime-solving abilities based on his work with her on a particularly brutal series of murders during the preceding year. Christine exited the meeting hall to take the call in the lounge. She confirmed her arrangements to meet with the medical examiner the next day at his office in Carbondale, a smallish city of 26,000 located near the bottom of the state, not far from the confluence of the Mississippi and Ohio rivers. She thought it unusual that Hansen would call in the FBI so early. Over the phone, she discerned obvious distress in the doctor's voice, an uneasy bewilderment. Whatever had caused the young victim's death, this local M.E. clearly wanted her assistance right now. Finishing her call with Hansen, Christine re-entered the meeting room. The overhead lights were now on, and Patricia Gaston was shaking hands and greeting agents up front. A tall, thin man with closely cropped dark hair approached Christine. He cleared his throat. You must be Christine Prusik he said tentatively, as if he'd just double-checked her bureau profile picture on the computer system. Christine held out her hand, and they shook. And you must be Ned Miranda, she said, recalling the name directly above hers on the overhead screen. He nodded and forced a quick smile, glancing back at Patricia Gaston, who was making her way toward them. Watching the slight, well-tanned woman now in charge of Chicago's bureau branch shake hands as she walked down the aisle, Christine felt a sudden apprehension. Regardless of how well-intentioned and conscientious Miranda may be in performing his duties, this younger agent was now her new boss, and she, Christine, was now twice removed from the branch office's topmost command. Whatever else this meant, it couldn't be good news. Miranda made the introductions, and the forensic anthropologist offered her hand to Gaston, whose thin fingers barely pressed the ends of Christine's. It was an awkward shake that felt, more than anything else, like a queen obliging her subject. Ned's told me so much about you, Christine. You've quite a storied history. So many unusual cases that you've worked on. Why, thank you, Director Gaston, Christine said politely unable to tell whether she'd just been complimented or mocked. I asked Ned to mark out some time for us all, perhaps later this week, when we could discuss the direction of the forensics unit. Christine nodded in what she hoped was a cheerful manner. Gaston's choice of the word direction sounded like ominous code for it's time to dismantle and retrofit the forensics team. Look, Christine said, setting aside departmental worries. I have an important matter to bring to your attention, Patricia. It really can't wait. I've received two calls from downstate. A Carbondale M.E. who's got a body, a young college student who'd been missing for a number of days. They found her body today under bizarre circumstances. He's requested our help. Ned, I have to run. Gaston pressed her hand on Miranda's forearm and lifted her shiny leather briefcase from the floor. It was so nice meeting you, Christine. She left the room. Give me a sec, Christine, Ned said, gesturing for her to wait as he followed the branch director out the door. Christine couldn't believe her eyes and ears. Gaston hadn't shown the least bit of interest in the news of a young woman's death that fell squarely within her lawful jurisdiction. 
Prusik had a sinking feeling that she and her forensics team were headed for darker days. Technically speaking, Christine's field of expertise, forensic anthropology, was largely limited to the study of skeletal remains in order to decipher how a particular death may have resulted, naturally, by suicide or homicide. She was a duly certified member of the American Board of Forensic Anthropology, though she'd never felt it necessary to add the acronym ABFA to her stationery or business cards for purposes of getting her job done. If it was determined that a death had been caused by a third person or persons, it was the forensic anthropologist's job to pick up any clues that could be gleaned from the bone evidence in order to identify the cause of death and the circumstances, if possible. With any luck, and a thorough examination of the site where remains are found, a good forensic anthropologist might gain some sense of the who, when, why, and how. Christine relied heavily upon the technical and scientific colleagues who composed her forensics team, and they, in turn, relied on sophisticated lab testing and software analysis to enhance any clues recovered. On those occasions involving multiple crimes of a similar nature, her team had access to the vast universe of the federal and state interlinked crime databases— Steady budgetary cutbacks, except in the case of a few departments that were the recipients of colossal fiscal increases for the War on Terror, had put pressure on all regional bureau laboratory teams to commingle resources and participate with other departments in the handling and examining of major crime scene evidence— Increasingly, therefore, Christine and her forensic team were expected to investigate all major crimes assigned to them, including the examination of dead bodies in various states of decomposition, not just skeletal remains. Christine had taken several years of postdoctoral training and become quite adept at postmortem exams. She generally welcomed the added responsibility, finding fieldwork and postmortems a challenge and an opportunity to escape the daily drudgery of deskwork and the insidious torment of office politics that went with it. A minute later, Miranda came striding back into the meeting room, grooves deepening across his forehead. What's wrong? he said. You look upset. Me? Upset? That the new branch director has zero interest in a murder case in her jurisdiction? Christine forced a chuckle, shaking her head in disapproval. This is a significant matter, Ned, and it will most likely require our resources straight away. Listen, Christine. Miranda stood closer to her, so not to be overheard by hotel staff busily at work cleaning the carpet. If you'd made the meeting on time, you would have understood the reason for the new reorg chart. Miranda was right. She'd come in at the end of Patricia Gaston's remarks and only glanced at the overhead screen before ducking out to take the call from the Carbondale M.E. Clearly, she'd missed something important. Okay, then. What exactly is going on? Patricia has asked all unit heads, including forensics, to produce detailed technical descriptions for each position under your direct or indirect supervision. As a unit head, you are responsible to see to it that each of your direct reports completes a professional and technical qualifications profile consistent with the Hayes-Stanley worksheet in two weeks' time. Professional and technical qualifications profile? What the hell is that? 
Miranda gave her a cut-the-crap look. The PTQP program is combined with the Hayes Stanley worksheet. A software link is in an email that was already sent to you and all other agents. A click on the link, then log on, creating a unique password. The program will load and guide you and each member of your forensic team on how to address and complete the worksheet, using special metrics devised for the purpose. Christine felt suddenly fatigued. Regardless of whether you like what I'm telling you, keep in mind, Christine, that completing it accurately and timely is crucial, as it ties directly to salary and bonus scales. Miranda paused and then added, Oh, and one other thing. Developing the final document for your unit's reports will require your attendance at a unit head meeting to be held twice a week until completion. Filling out forms was foreign to her DNA. Christine abhorred chain-of-command speak and the accompanying hierarchical administration, who reports to whom, that invariably brings a slowdown in the field, if not a complete stoppage, as now apparently would be the case, she feared. Getting her real job done took precedence. It just had to. Come on, Ned. The local police depend on us. So, now what? I'm supposed to fill out a form telling you of a crime scene needing our investigative assistance, and then you go tell Patricia and wait for Patricia to tell you that she'll get back to you about it? Then you come tell me to wait until, what, a form is stamped? She hadn't meant to sound so strident. She burned to get going to the Carbondale ME's office. Miranda's cheeks flushed. Lose the sarcasm, Christine. It won't work with me. I'm not telling you how to do your job. This initiative is a separate task, in addition to your normal duties, and compulsory, I might add. An older woman in a maid's uniform was tugging on her cleaning cart. A wheel had gotten stuck on the lip of the carpet. Christine helped the woman lift the machine free. Gracias, the woman said. De nada. Christine replied, stepping over to a large exterior window to get away from the vacuuming noises. Cars were crossing the Chicago River below. Miranda followed her to the side of the meeting hall. I apologize for sounding brusque, she said. If I've learned anything in my years here, it's that cooperation from a skilled working team is of vital importance. We need to be able to function together. It's it's these non-essential aspects, the endless busy work that tends to muck things up. Do you know what I mean, Ned? Miranda briefly closed his eyes, then popped them back open and checked his watch. Unfortunately, I've got to run now. I'll catch up with you this afternoon and we can discuss it more then. He strode off, leaving her standing in the hall while the cleaning crew bustled around her.